0: You're listening to a Rock Candy Podcast. Hey guys, my name is Matt Langston. I am a music producer, a mix engineer, and an avid unicorn enthusiast. And I would like to invite you over to my podcast, Eleven D Life. On Eleven D Life, we
1: get to talk to your favorite artists, producers, and creators about what makes them
0: tick. We take deep dives into where they get their juiciest inspirations from and how they keep from being cynical about all of it. We even get to pull back the curtain on my band, Eleven D7, and
1: share some fun insider tips and tricks for our fellow bandmates and creators out there. So be sure to check out Eleventy Life right here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network and wherever you get your favorite shows. sacred tension the podcast about the discipline of asking questions my name is stephen bradford long and we are here in the rock candy podcast network for more shows like this one go to rockcandyrecordings.com. Hi, Dante. Hello, Steven. <laughs> so I am here with the producer slash intern slash editing aficionado, Dante slash llama boy. And we're going to do an ask me anything episode. We have collected questions from the internet and we're going to talk about them. It's been a while since I've done one of these. And uh, we're excited to get to the questions. But before we do that, I have to thank my incredible patrons. They are ensuring the long life of my work. They are my personal lords and saviors. For this episode, I have to thank Will and Stephen. Thank you so much. I truly could not do this without you. And anyone listening who wants to join their number, please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long for a dollar, three dollars, five dollars a month. You get extra content, including my House of Heretics podcast. Uh, with the Minister Timothy, former Salvation Army officer, turned Christian heretic, and we talk about everything from politics to religion, Satanism, whatever is in the news that day as well, we discuss including, you know, licking strangers' faces. All right. That's more your area of expertise. <laughs> that is my area of expertise. No, it isn't, actually.
2: Um, so, should, should we say that some people know me better as Llama Boy? Yes,
1: yeah, some people do know you better as Llama That's Boy. That's true. And In the Discord chat. He, you are also the editor of the new rock candy show Pickle and Boot. The, yes, the yes, and, I am. The yes I am. The Pickle and Boot Shop with... Reese Roper
2: and Joe Yernke.
1: Yernke. Yarnkey. I don't know. I believe it's Yarnkey. I actually don't Uh, know how to pronounce his last name, but band members from Five Iron Frenzy and... The Insiders. And The Insiders. If you grew up in evangelical... Christian youth group culture, you know exactly who they are. Yeah, it's Ska. It's Christian Ska. (laughs) It is Christian Ska. (laughs) At its finest. And they now have a podcast. And uh, so, you know, here at Rock Candy, we have kind of like this um, little support group for survivors of evangelical Christian youth group culture. This is true. It is very true. It's a little support group for people who survived evangelicalism and then woke up and, you know, woke up in our thirties and realized that our childhoods were not normal. It was damaging. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's start with Mike Pilgrim on Twitter. Mike Pilgrim asks, probably too late here. No, you're not. You are just in time. Uh, What in your experience has been the most common reason folks find their way to Satanism yeah I'll let you take this one <laughs> so we're going to take a lot of questions about Satanism yeah so. no no, no. Um, and I have thoughts but I, I think that yeah it would be for better sure if you so I think there's the stereotypical answer and then I think there's the more nuanced answer so the stereotypical answer is that Satanism is generally for people who have been disillusioned and outcast by traditional religion And, you know, and and so there is a very large LGBT community in the satanic temple and, and a lot of sex workers in the temple because those, and and when I say the temple, I mean the satanic temple. And in my observation, I think that is because those groups of people tend to suffer the most ostracized. Uh, ostracization, Ostraciz outsider, ostracizing, ostracizing. Are Thank you. The most ostracized. I mean, that may not be. No, you're good. Um, the most outsider status within a lot of, Christian circles and that experience of demonization that experience of being Satanized by the dominant religion in America that is a formative life experience and that becomes for some of us a religious experience and core to our identity and that is often the track to Satanism at least it is for me and for a lot of people I know. What has surprised me the most, and by the way, I have to clarify, I am not an official spokesperson for the temple in any way. I'm just a dude with a podcast. I am a member of the temple. So really everything I'm talking about here is from observation. Uh, So I'm, I'm not speaking authoritatively at all. So there's that narrative of how people come to Satanism, specifically TST Satanism. But there's also... What has surprised me the most, actually, is the level of diversity in terms of people's backgrounds who come to Satanism. I find that there are a lot of hardcore atheists who grew up with no religion and yet did not have those damaging relationships with Christianity and yet still find themselves drawn to the religious community of Satanism. And that kind of falls outside of the stereotype that falls outside of the stereotype of people having terrible experiences with religion being demonized and then that becoming kind of a, a core aspect of their religious identity. I've been really amazed and surprised to find people who have fantastic relationships with their religion coming to Satanism and exploring kind of a syncretic a syncretistic self-made religion where they are incorporating Satanism into their own practice. You know, I know a professional Catholic German theologian who is also a member of the Satanic Temple. Yeah, I know a lot of people from various religious backgrounds who fully embrace kind of a non-theistic version of their religion yeah while also being fully members of the satanic temple and fully satanic
2: and as, participating and in the yeah, yeah exactly the, the, it, the temple
1: so satanism is a broad movement and yes there are a lot of people who come to Satanism because of the experience of attribution, what Ruben Van Lack calls attribution and and identification. So so kind of traditionally, the history of Satanism is one of attribution and identification, where a group of people get attributed as Satanists, as outsiders. Um, And this has happened through history. And, And then in modern times, especially starting with Anton LaVey, People take on the identification of Satanists. And so there is this constant dance between identification and attribution. And I think what's most interesting to me is that there are a lot of people who don't fall into the attribution category. They haven't been, Satanism hasn't necessarily been attributed to them. They haven't necessarily been demonized. And yet they still find themselves drawn to the religious community. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, like you said, not being an official spokesperson, but being someone that's very knowledgeable on the subject, that's about as good of a way I could have summed it up. And I'm, not, I mean, full clarification I am not <laughs> a, a member of TST. Yeah, you're a Christian. Uh, I'm a Christian, but I find it fascinating. And I am definitely not someone who is just going to toss out someone's beliefs and what they hold true. Because that's really ignorant, and if anything, that's been one of the biggest issues in losing people in the Christian church. I mean, I'm a Christian, and I've told you about, I've had bad experiences yeah, in the Christian course. church. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Everybody abuses power, and so I, unfortunately in the Christian church, the people fear what they don't understand. And so, like you said, there's been this demonization of people for things that is beyond their control and isn't even wrong yeah
1: and so like being trans like or, like
2: being trans or or whatever your sexual orientation is trans um, is
1: not a sexual orientation that trans
2: is not a sexual i was but, I, I was not putting them together yeah for I was sure just saying, but
1: um yeah whatever your your gender identity or sexual orientation or even just being someone who asks questions having yeah. a personality that kind of Chafes against the religious structures. Yeah,
2: yeah. To make sure I was not grouping them together, I was. I was just saying in both of these instances in recent years, I think that's been the, the biggest issue with gender identity and then sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. These have been the two biggest sort of two groups that have been cast out of the church and yeah. had the most persecution from the church. And so, absolutely, at least recently, um, yeah. And, and and I I couldn't agree with more with what you said. I think it's sort of this really amazing group of people who sort of survived and then banded
1: together. Yeah, I'm and, glad you uh, think that. Yeah. I agree. I think TST is an amazing group of people. So, choose the next question. Okay. Go to the next, go to the next um tweet thread. Here we go. And you can choose the next one. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I, I'm going to go down to this one down at the bottom here is watching porn a good way of worship
1: how did I know you were going to go with that one so I, this is...
2: <laughs> that's the only thing I feel like I could speak to like at all
1: <laughs> okay so yeah okay. I love the
2: exclamation point at the end by the way is <laughs> watching
1: porn a good way of worship <laughs> and so this is from Raw Piss Pig yeah Raw Piss Pig <laughs> thank you great name and profile <laughs> Dante you're becoming acquainted with my audience I'm loving it this is, this is <laughs> fantastic
2: I mean I've mean, editing the podcast and now i get to see who listens to it yes okay
1: so is watching porn a good way to worship so i am generally pro-sex work i am pro-sex work and when it comes to porn i think mileage varies i don't think that porn is in and of itself good or bad i think it depends on the context i think it depends on who's watching it and so i am not opposed to porn i'm i'm actually very pro-porn depending on the situation. I watch porn and I don't have an issue with it. And I know a lot of people who make porn and they are amazing, wonderful people. So it depends. And then there's another interesting word here, worship. So I interpret worship within a satanic context of being the manifestation of your values, the on the ground activity of manifesting your values. And so that can be through activism. That can just be through your daily life, engaging with other people and how you represent your your fundamental beliefs. That That to me is worship. And people probably will disagree with me on that definition of worship, but that's fine. If it, I would say absolutely, if you have a hedonic religion, if you have a carnal religion, if your religion is one of the flesh, if your religion is one of of sensuality and pleasure, then absolutely. I think porn can be a an expression of worship, an expression of how you experience your religion. Now, I have broader concerns. I'm going to sound like such a boomer here. So my, my issues are not necessarily with porn. I don't have an issue with porn. My issue is with the broader technological structures that make the interface of porn all-consuming. I do think that sites like Pornhub are capturing, you know, their though that interface is similar to YouTube or Twitter in that it turns into a rabbit hole. It becomes addictive for some people because of that interface. And I am very, very cautious. You know, I'm a digital minimalist. I'm I'm hesitant always to to adopt the newest interface, the the newest structure, digital structure that the Tech lords give to us, right? Because I'm I'm kind of conservative uh, when it comes to how I interact with the internet, so I don't watch YouTube. I would
2: say that's just wisdom. Yeah, so I, that's just practicing prudence and wisdom. This is a thing that has we've let's fa- we've lost control of it. And oh it's, yeah, absolutely, it's a major problem. Not even speaking just to porn, like the internet and technology in general. If, if that's a boomer, like. <laughs> you, then I am a boomer's brainchild because I t- <laughs> like I 100% agree with you that like we've talked about this off air I, I do not share those same views when going into pornography but something we do relate is is the aspect of like if you are watching porn or playing video games or watching YouTube or being on Twitter or being on Twitter or Instagram. Like It's like (laughs) instead of doing homework or your job, I mean, let's face it. How many times have people at, you know, our place of work, Hoppy gotten in trouble for being on their phones? Oh my God. Yeah. Just too long. How many people (laughs) people people do I, how many people do I have to talk to on a daily basis at work? Because they're just spending their time, you know, Snapchatting. Yeah, or because it's and, a, it's addictive, and it's not even like I I think it's almost unfair to persecute some of these kids because the culture they grew up in said. I mean, growing up, I did not have social media until I was like fourteen. And then Good. I only had Instagram. This past year, I got Facebook. You poor child. This past year, I got Snapchat. It's a hell site. It, it is, actually. It it's makes really, you miserable.
1: Does it make you miserable? It makes me miserable. I
2: do not. The only reason I use it is because of Facebook Marketplace. That okay. is the only thing I use on there. And yeah. then every couple days, I go on Instagram. And every other day, I go on Snapchat. Uh, I'm lucky because I don't have the time. Although something I've been wondering, a question I've been asking myself recently is like, am I going on social media less because of how much time I spend on screens in general now that I'm an audio production intern and I go to college and online. And so I'm like, am I getting screened out or like <laughs> "Yeah, what's happening here? But anyways, not to get off on a tangent, but yeah, I, I for sure agree that it can be detrimental. All I'll say is that just because I don't want to enrage the the, oh, the you followers. can en-
1: you, you can enrage them. It's fine. Okay, my my, my audience is very smart and and um, oh yeah, they can great. handle they can handle disagreement. So don't I, worry about your that. Your Discord is fantastic.
2: Okay, yeah. So so to bring my opposing opinion a little bit after the fact here. So I want to start off. Stephen and I agree that technology can be really detrimental in in general, whether that be porn or YouTube or any other type of social media platform. Or just in general. I mean, like, let's face it, we've all spent way too much time binging Netflix. Like, I mean, yeah, they, I mean they, they,
1: they're made to
2: be addictive. Oh, yeah. And that's that are you hub, still watching thing is porn, the most offensive thing. Wait, what, thing what was on, it? That on Netflix, that are you still watching is just the most offensive <laughs> thing. Of course, I'm still watching.
1: So, so the, for me, the problem is not social media the problem or the concept of social media there are healthy forms of social media the problem is the ways in which certain giants in that industry Zuckerberg yes the, the way the way certain deities in that industry take advantage right and yeah. and create this digital architecture that is really terrible for the human mind and so likewise my problem is not with porn my problem is with the way the giants are created to capture human attention in a way that can be detrimental for some people.
2: I mean, for me, the concept of social media, like you said, is not, it's not a problem. Like the idea of it is awesome. But like you said, they're designing algorithms to figure you out and figure out how to keep you on there. I've gotten so many, because I haven't been on Instagram as of late, I've gotten so many weird messages Mm -hmm. on there like they're designing new messages to get my attention it used to be you have two notifications now it says you have three messages and one unread message Uh now it says there you have several followers one unread message and one that you're not responding to and you you know they
1: continue to evolve and i'm like and you know what they're doing is they're a b testing that on mass populations so that they change the wording just slightly between various populations and see which one... They're almost guilt-tripping you into getting back on the app. Exactly. It's like, yes, it's like that's you exactly, what they're, that's exactly what they're doing. That's so exactly what they're doing. So we're running very far afield from the original question, yes. which is, is watching porn a good way to... W- a good way of worship. And to me, the answer is yes, depending in the same, because everything is, is contingent and, you know, I'm pro porn, I'm pro sex work. And I expect Dante would disagree with me on that. And that's okay. I do. And it's not because
2: I have an issue with the people at all. It's the, it's the principality of the thing. That's, that's all. Yeah. And that's, that's all right. We should make an episode just about that
1: question. Just about porn? I think an episode about porn we and actually the reason the reason why the digital issue is on my mind is that um It's ever present for me. I don't like spend a day
2: not talking about that with somebody.
1: About porn or digital. Oh. <laughs> I mean, do you just spend Both. your whole no, life just kidding. talking about
2: porn? <laughs> I mean, I <laughs> no but maybe i should no um it, technology yes is what i was meaning is it like you were saying it, i don't think a day passes where i don't have a conversation about it with somebody and talking about how it's detrimental it's it's getting to a point where we're reaching a level of awareness where it's like this isn't healthy but it's one of those things where like nobody knows what to do about it so nobody is doing yes. anything about it yes
1: by the way dear listeners i did write an article called five rules to keep social media from ruining ruining your life because i've written a lot about how social media is like destroying us. And I firmly believe that, but what do we do about it? So I, I laid down some rules that you can adopt for yourself to keep it from ruining your life. So, but the reason why the digital issue when it comes to sexuality is on my mind is because the other day my partner and I downloaded grinder just to see what was on there, just to see what was out there. And I was like this, it was so distracting. Wow. And I was like, Grindr is designed to be like as compulsive and addictive as possible. And like, it's fine if people are on there. You know, I have a ton of friends who are on Grindr and it's totally fine. And they're, they're able to do it well. And I'm like, I can't do this. Not because it's bad. I don't really think in terms of morality. I don't think in terms of good or bad. I think in terms of healthy or unhealthy on an individual basis. That's how I think. And I'm like, for me, I can't. I can't do this. I won't get any work done. <laughs> like I won't be able to I won't be able to to focus because the interface is so distracting. And that's like interesting. I can't have Grinder on my phone just for that reason. <laughs>
2: Everybody, <laughs> Steven, you were the only person out there who would be like, it's the interface. Everybody else would be like, Well, that he's hot. Like <laughs> 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 that's why I'm not getting any work done. There's some hot dudes on here. And you're like, no, 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 no. It's the interface. I mean, the it's hot so the hot
1: dudes are a plus. It's
2: a bonus. Nobody's the hot, nobody's arguing against the, the, hot, the dudes hot dudes are a bonus.
1: I'm gonna have to run this past my partner, by the way, and make sure it's okay <laughs> that I talk about this. I'm sure it is. Okay, I think we spent enough go. time on this question. I let's, agree. Let's I move agree. on. Let's, let's uh, go ahead and choose the next question.
2: All right, what do you think about the Lil Nas X song and video? Uh, this is this is from. Navari, uh, nasty woman, nasty woman. I could not read that font. That is a beautiful font though. Okay. So what do you think <laughs> about little Nas X's song and video? And do you think it harms or helps Satanism as an aesthetic religion? Atheistic religion. Atheistic. I complete, let me, no, I you're fine. almost you're want good. to do that Let's again, but we're going to keep it. We're going to keep Lama it. Boy can't speak.
1: <laughs> no, you're great. What? uh, I love it. I loved the video bottoming for bottom, like pole dancing to hell and bottoming for Satan. Steven and I were hanging out and he's like, have you seen the little
2: Nas X video? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) let me
1: show you. (laughs) I think, I, I think that Satan is having a moment in culture. And I think that the satanic temple personally has a lot to do with that. I think we have brought satanic iconography into the mainstream and I don't Know if I mean we don't know what would have happened if if the Satanic Temple was hadn't been active for the past you know five seven years or however long it's been eight years but I it might have been like a court
2: yeah sentence or something like somebody may have gotten like sued and
1: like maybe I mean issue. I or 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 maybe not sued but but there might have been like hearings to try to shut or, down the video yeah, hearings, some, I don't know sued, I mean there, there's there's a possibility there's, but. I think Lil Nas X's video is a fantastic representation of the attribution versus identification continuum, where the kind of, from what I understand, the backstory behind that video is Lil Nas X grew up in, you know, or he was told, essentially, you are satanic for who you are. You are satanic for being gay. You are satanic. You are, you are outside of the will of God. You are outside of the light of God. I mean, not, not those exact words, but that I think that I think that's, that's the gist. It, and, and I think that the video is a brilliant representation of queer art, which is taking what has hurt us and flipping it on its head and saying, okay, you're going to call me satanic for being who I am. I will give you satanic. And it's, it's an act of queer rebellion in art, and I think it's fantastic. I think it's it's a brilliant video, and I'm happy that it exists in the world. Yeah. So as a Christian
2: and with the background in that video, I don't blame him. It is my belief as a, as a Christian and a regular churchgoer, no human being really has the right to determine that. Like no one no human being has the right to tell someone that you are unlovable you are outside the will of god you are satanic because of who you are yeah that's despicable yes and there's really no other word for it because that is spewing hate yeah it's like poison and so again i don't blame him i'm never going to get the image of him lap dancing on satan out of my head and maybe i shouldn't satan was so
1: fucking ugly in that video too yeah
2: he was but then little nas got the horns and it was like oh and now he's hot satan hello he's sexy satan Satan." but um, (laughs) i i would i would just say that it's inspiring and i i don't blame him for deciding to take that course of action
1: so the question is do you think it harms or helps satanism as an atheistic religion i think it helps i think i would say it probably helps too i yeah. would say
2: yeah i deviated from the question there but i would say to, to sum up the question yeah i'm i'm sure
1: it helps all
2: right i think we said the best one for last year
1: so so before before we say this this is from our friends from the satanic bay area they are a fantastic group unaffiliated with tst great friends of the show and uh, they produce the show Black Mass Appeal, which is the most popular satanic podcast on the planet. Really, that's awesome. And I've I've been on that show, and they have been on Sacred Tension. So fantastic people, I love them. Big. Hello to the Satanic Bay Area. Okay, so they ask, we all get lots of strange or disappointing reactions from strangers about Satanism. What's the best thing anyone ever said to you? I'm so excited for the answer. <laughs> okay, so it isn't strange or disappointing. I think the best reaction I got about my Satanism, so I I think this was in 2019 when I had, or 2018, I don't know when this was, but I had really pivoted away for, uh, I've been a religious content creator for over a decade and I've been writing and the podcast is more recent, but I've had a blog and writing about my own religious life for. Years and years and years and years and years.
2: Didn't you say you started it in like 2010 or something? 20 earlier. I, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: I I was blogging before then. It really blew up. I would say in 2012 for me when I was doing no 20 2013 was when it exploded and my blog went viral because there was it was a, it was a cultural moment where I think the church was grappling with with LGBT inclusion in a really special way. And yeah. there were massive leaps and bounds for LGBT equality during that time. That was when Exodus International, which was the flagship ex-gay organization, shuttered. I mean, it was it was a big moment. And then shortly after that, marriage equality was legalized uh, in 2015. So, so the church was going through a big moment, in my opinion, during that time. And my blog caught on, and it was super popular, and... I was writing specifically about LGBT Christian issues. And I've been writing consistently since then, but I pivoted in 2018 to being a non theistic and satanic writer, and that started to gain a new audience, that started to gain a different audience of readers. You don't say. No, I'm just <laughs> You don't say. <laughs> you and actually, you know, there was, this, there was this massive turnover where a lot of my Christian audience just started drifting away, and then I had this massive influx of, of atheists and pagans and satanists, and during that time, I had to talk to all of the people that I work with, I I had to uh, go to all of my various bosses and at all the different jobs that I work and be like, hey, so just so you know, because I'm doing this under my real name, I am gaining some minor popularity as a satanic content creator. I am a member of the satanic temple. And I, I need you to know that this is happening because I don't want you to get harassment for employing me, in other words. So I... Went to our lovely boss Esther. She is wonderful. She is the best, and I told her that. And mid sentence, she cut me off, and she was like, "Stephen, as long as you aren't sacrificing people, I don't give a fuck." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." And, so that was conversa- and, that was it, and that was the end of the conversation. That was the end of it. That was the end of the conversation. Fantastic. That was like one of the best things that that anyone has ever said. Where just, or could say or truly just you know, they just truly did not care. They just truly, she just truly did not give a fuck. Um, You know, a lot of people are bemused when they find out about my Satanism, I think because, of what Joseph Laycock calls ignorant familiarity, where most people are astonishingly ignorant about what it means to be a Satanist, but they have this sense that they know everything there is to know about Satanism. And, and so it, their ignorance is like a solid block of convictions about what Satanism is and isn't. And there is this severe cognitive dissonance that, that people go through when they encounter a real Satanist, right? there's There's this severe cognitive dissonance because it runs up against that ignorant familiarity i encounter that all the time people are like oh you're so nice for being a satanist or oh you're so this or that or i thought satanism was a troll religion like you know the flying spaghetti monster or i thought that satanism was this or that so do you not actually worship satan i mean just there's there's a lot of cognitive dissonance when people encounter that and sometimes it manifests itself as anger you know sometimes people get really 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 angry when i insist that no this is genuinely my religious identity it is not a joke it is not satirical It is not ironic. There is nothing ironic about my religion. It is 100% my religion and I take it seriously. And I'm 100% a Satanist who, even if I'm home alone reading with my cats, right? Or, you know, playing on my Switch, you know, I'm still a Satanist. And (laughs) even on the Switch. Even even, on the Switch. Even (laughs) even when playing Breath of the Wild, I am a Satanist. And, um, It not performative i'm not a humanist pretend i'm not a i'm not an atheistic humanist pretending to be a satanist i am a satanist who happens to be an atheistic humanist so all right let's move on to discord go ahead and open up discord favorite breakfast food oh god damn it uh so this person asks this question for every single episode Uh, And I appreciate that. So in the Asheville area, in a little town called Black Mountain, there is an amazing little breakfast slash brunch place that is actually in the historic whorehouse of Black Mountain. No Did you know that? That house was the brothel years ago right by the train tracks i didn't even know there was a brothel did you black isn't that amazing it's oh my gosh so it's that quaint little soup place well and you can see it though like it it's it has like the decks on it it's like this big beautiful house and and when you know that it was a brothel and it was built to be a brothel you look at it and you're like oh oh my gosh that's that's a brothel that's a brothel so No, it's amazing. And it's this amazing little breakfast place, and they have a veggie breakfast quesadilla there. And it is the best fucking thing on the planet.
2: (laughs) You got that last time
1: over there. Yeah, I get it every single time. Every single time. Every (laughs) single time I'm there. So that is my answer. What is uh what is my favorite breakfast food? In the Asheville area in a specific tiny town at a former brothel in a restaurant there. One specific item, that is my favorite breakfast food. Okay, moving on. Find, your, find another question. Okay,
2: there are a lot of good ones. This one, it is, have you beheld the fevers?
1: I have no fucking clue what that means.
2: I don't know what that means either.
1: And so, <laughs> <to> speculate <laughs> here. I feel like that's a very insider internet thing. And because I'm a boomer, I have no clue what that means. Because I'm a boomer's brainchild, I have no idea what that means. Okay, great. Well, let's move on. (laughs) All
2: right. Uh, Favorite 11 7
1: song? Oh, I think it would have to be Birthright. That's a good one. Birthright, really Killing one. My Vibe is another really good one. For people who don't know, eleven seven Seven, a uh, long-time Christian band. They are no longer Christian. Matt Langston, one of my best friends. Uh, he runs the Rock Candy Podcast Network, which is what this podcast is on. He does the theme music for the show. So you encounter Eleven D music all the time. And I think my favorite would have to be Birthright. I would say my favorite
2: is either... I go back and forth between Letterman Jacket and Brains. Although I love I love Birthright and I love Hellmouth. Oh, Hellmouth um, is also really Hellmouth good. is a fantastic song. But I think like for vibing at night, like cuz that's when I listen to most of my music like driving around in the evening, I'd say probably Letterman Jacket. Yeah, Letterman Jacket is Letterman fantastic. Jacket. All right.
1: Next question.
2: All right, as we begin to come out of the pandemic and back to normal, quote unquote, what is one thing you stopped doing so that's changed in your life in the last year which you will not be changing back to once normalcy returns? If I'm going to add if it returns. Yeah. I mean <laughs> that's
1: a great question. So I was actually I was thinking about this question on the way here actually because my life has radically altered Through the pandemic, and I I, think we're fully aware of how it's completely. Oh my god, it's changed. It's It's going to take years. It's going to take years, and and I don't think there's ever going to be a normal again. I I don't think we're going back to normal. The former normal, I think that's gone. I think the horse is out of the barn. It's dead. Yeah, and (laughs) there's no going back. But when things open up again, and hopefully when more people get vaccinated, and maybe we don't have to constantly social distance, and we can be more connected to other people first. So the pandemic, with the massive exception of the extraordinary stress that it caused me for the past year at work, because I manage a grocery store for people who don't know. And honestly, managing that grocery store through a global pandemic has been one of the most challenging experiences of my life. Oh, yeah. It has been fucking brutal and super stressful, especially in the early days when I thought I was going to die because I'm a frontline worker. I was like, I'm... I'm, I thought, I thought I was going to
2: die. And I, that's why I disappeared for like yeah, so long is cause I went course. into quarantine. It was
1: like, it was yeah. terrifying. Yeah. It was absolutely terrifying. And I'm like, I can't, you know, these are, this is my team. People need to eat as well. So I'm sticking this out, but I am legit terrified. And, and, you know, so that, that was pretty fucking brutal. Other than that, I would say the changes that the pandemic have caused in my life have actually been really positive. I spend more time with my partner. (laughs) I spend so much more time with my partner. He works from home now, and like I love spending time with him. He is the most chill, wonderful human being on the full, whole fucking planet. So, I hope that doesn't change. I hope the amount of time that John and I spend in each other's presence, I hope that doesn't change. The other thing is I started taking walks every night after work, and that became my either meditation time or social time or audiobook time. And so during during those walks, I started doing semi-regular Discord chat hangouts with my community. Uh, whenever someone wants to talk, I would be like, "Okay, just come come take a walk with me at seven thirty uh, up in the woods, and you know we can spend an hour and a half just walking and talking." Or if someone needs to talk on the phone with me, I'm like, "Okay, just call me this time, and we will chat." And and that has been that has become like an institution in My life. Hold on. Let me put on. Do not disturb here. Oops. I did that at the beginning of the amateur hour.
2: Oh my gosh. The amateur did what the pro failed
1: failed to do. Okay. So, so that has been incredible deliberately taking the time to, to spend time with people outdoors. I want to keep doing that and I, I will keep walking every day. And then I would say the other thing is uh, I have read a metric fuck ton of books. I read more books last year than I have ever read in my life. That's awesome. And so because the stress is like, suddenly everything was too stressful too stimulating and so i retreated into books it's like i can't do social media i can't do news i can't do film everything stresses me out so i retreated into books and i read more books last year than i've ever read in my life and i hope to continue that trend that's awesome yeah so let's
2: see for me i mean it's hard to put into perspective because it's weird it's almost like i can't identify with how i used to act and the things i used to do just because it's completely different now you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it used to be like friday nights it's the before time it's the before the before for time (laughs) it's weird because i had to shift my entire outlook on what every aspect of my life looked like and so it's it's hard to recognize sometimes but one of the biggest changes for sure is how close I've gotten with my family. Not just my like immediate family, but my extended family as well. My uncle is one of my closest and best friends. And it happened because of the pandemic. Not that we weren't close before. My aunt and my uncle, they are both they, they live up in Ohio. They are both some of my closest friends I, I will ever have. And it was a really neat thing because it wasn't like we didn't have relationship before. It's just they needed uh, they needed me to come babysit their kids for the summer because there was no summer camps and they, they both work full time. So my cousins. And so I went up there and I did that and I just got so close to them. And they became like a mentor. And so I would say like getting really close to my family, um, immediate and extended was was amazing. And also uh, I, productivity. The pandemic taught me that, like, just because you have a lot of time to do something doesn't mean that you should procrastinate. Because in the end, you're actually going to have more to do. Like, I am busier now than ever before because I do everything remotely. And it's so easy to get remote jobs all of a sudden. Hooray! So, like, I do DoorDash every blue moon now. I work at Hoppy and I do I do all this podcasting. So, I would say it, it brought me closer to my family, which was a uh, really neat experience.
1: That's good. That's amazing. And, you know, I think that our experience has been uncharacteristically positive where we oh for sure i i feel like i found more connection during the pandemic because i did for sure i was forced to you know it's like suddenly because of the social isolation i couldn't take people for granted and and i wasn't deliberately taking people for granted but i feel like i was unconsciously taking people for granted now it's like okay my life is so unbelievably stressful right now. I have to connect with other people. And I think it also defined who the people you need. Oh, yeah.
2: Are and who the people you want. Yeah.
1: Like the satanic community got me through. Yeah. The the satanic community got me through this time. And then my close friends in this area got me through this time. And as well as other friends like Timothy McPherson, who's my co-host, Matt Langston. You know, I found my network during the pandemic and I don't want those ties to diminish, but I have to acknowledge that is not a lot of people's experience and, you know, mental health, Issues have skyrocketed through the pandemic because I think what the pandemic, the pandemic revealed the underlying rot. Someone
2: so close to me completely deteriorated and Mm -hmm. found out about their mental health issues because of quarantine. Yeah. And ever since this started, it has been a nightmare and like not a downward spiral, but a continued road of self-discovery. And self acknowledgement. And it has been brutal, brutal, and really a unique experience to walk through because, like you said, you and I actually walked away with positives. If I asked them, there would be no positives. Yeah, exactly. There would be nothing to be thankful
1: for. Yeah, and you know, I've, I've, so there's a saying in some of my former religious circles in liturgical. And some of the the more liturgical settings that I was in before I had my Christian deconstruction and, and left the Christian faith. But I think there's a lot of wisdom to it. And they would always say you practice ritual and you practice your disciplines when times are good so that when times are bad, you have something to catch you. And, and I, b- I believe in that. I for sure. wholeheartedly believe in that. And so people who are ritually minded, some people aren't, some people are, you know, I think it varies between personalities. But you go, you practice these rituals when times are good. You practice your disciplines and your rituals and your connections when times are good so that when times are bad. You have something to catch you, and very often, when times are bad, it's too late. Well, no, that's too pessimistic. It isn't too late, but it's harder. It's harder to build those. I'd those say, safety in nets. some cases, it is. Yeah, in some in some cases, in some it, cases, is, cases it is. Unfortunately, And you know, I I think that what this pandemic revealed is that when times are good, quote unquote good in our country, we don't have social connection. We don't have.
2: Not not a deeper understanding of it no, anyway. So I mean you we, may talk to a million different people, but you don't connect but, with a, a million different.
1: Well, people. I mean, it's it's stunning to me when I talk, especially straight guys. I I, <laughs> I encounter this the most with straight guys. Have where you encountered this with me? I'm just so no excited. no 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 not me. No, not yeah. you. But but a lot of straight guys I talk to, they're like, I don't know anyone. I don't I don't have friends. <laughs> I go home and I play video games all day long. Yeah. and the and they're like i have my girlfriend i talk to people at work and that's it and there's this deep 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 isolation and with a lot of people a lot of people in my life just don't ha- don't ha- and and that is awful that is terrible but when a pandemic hits, when a catastrophe hits, as it inevitably does, that catastrophe reveals the systemic rot in our country. It yeah. reveals the broken nature of our politics. It reveals the broken... Let's bro- talk about QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it, it reveals the, the lost connections, the brokenness in... The, the, the shallowness of our connections. It, it yeah. reveals the poverty of relationship. It reveals the broken health system. And during when times are quote-unquote good, we can kind of ignore it, but we can't when there is a global crisis. And that is when suddenly the light is shown on the rot of social connection and safety nets and the systemic rot from the government all the way down. And you'd think that
2: people would come together because of that, but in my family and my friend groups, I've seen way more drifting. Yeah. Because when people didn't have other people to interact with, and you've talked about this, the town square. Yeah. When that sort of dissipated and the algorithms on our internet search history showed people like what they wanted to hear and something that didn't seem too far out and just created a rabbit hole. I mean, it's just pulling everybody apart. I mean, everybody brings a new perspective to a situation, right? Well, if an algorithm is just telling you what you want to hear and bringing you to a bunch of people that have may that probably would never have even started out with the same opinion if they'd seen it in person, but on the internet or just like, yeah, we all agree on this. It's dangerous. And I mean, it's, it's sad to see just how selfish I think everyone is. And, and, so like isolated, you said, and, and isolated, and lonely. That's, you know, I, that's what it I think is. The sel- like,
1: I, I think what, what might be seen as selfishness is really just deep loneliness. Yeah.
2: And that's, yes that 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 is definitely a more compassionate view and I, I agree with that yeah i mean it's it's just it's it's difficult, and a hundred years from now psychologists are still going to be talking about everything that's happening right now because I mean I don't even know if in my in your lifetime, we're ever going to understand the full effects of mm. everything happening right now. Yeah. But yeah. I think not to get is, too deep and dark. But they're going
1: to be the historians are going to be studying this moment a century from now for sure. Oh, apps And probably even longer. Even I mean, longer. Look at how much they pull apart everything else. But so, all right. Next question. So, all right. last Last question. And uh,
2: I am very. Interested. This is this is sort of a two-part question, Okay. but I'm really curious to know the answer to this. What image do you think of when you think of Satan? A fallen angel, red demon with wings, the Baphomet, etc. And then what three books do you think every person should read in their lifetime and why?
1: <laughs> okay, so first part. What image do you think of when you see Satan? I relate most to Lucifer, a satanic writer named Damian Bale. He has this concept of the satanic narratives of different satanic archetypes or demonized gods, I think is how he puts it, and how there are different kind of satanic icons that you can relate to within kind of more or less a satanic pantheon, right? And so some people really relate to Lilith, the first wife of Adam, according to Jewish mythology, the first wife of Adam before Eve. and and I didn't even know about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is deep Jewish lore and so a lot of people see Lilith as as empowerment and a lot of women really really identify with Lilith a lot of people really really identify with Baphomet and the reconciliation of opposites that that symbol represents a lot of people really identify with with other with Pan who's kind of a, a satanized figure so there there are different what Damien Bale calls demonized gods that you can relate to. I really, really relate to Lucifer, especially as seen through the lens of Anatole France's the revolt of the angels, the benevolent benefactor of humanity who rebelled against the unjust, undue tyranny of God. Of Ialdabaoth, as as that figure is named in Revolt of the Angels, so uh, rebelling against the demiurge Ialdabaoth, and you know Lucifer was the angel of light, the angel of of music, the angel of the most beautiful angel in in heaven, the a light bringer, a bringer of knowledge, and I love that image. And the way, and and so in my daily life, that's, that is the Satan that I try to emulate is the bringer of light, the bringer of knowledge, even if doing so means being an outcast, even if doing so means standing against arbitrary authority and suffering the consequences of that because truth is truth and, you know, standing up for truth, no matter where it is, or no matter who says it and standing up for justice, no matter what the cause, even if that means social ostrac- ostr- even if that means I- social
2: ostracizing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think it's ostracizing. Okay, so that that's the Satan that I relate to the most,
2: and um, or is it ostranization? Sorry, I just, I, I'm so sorry. I'm just australization Ostracization. Ostracization. okay (laughs) okay so so
1: now the second part of this question what three books do you think every person should read in their lifetime and why so i don't tell people what to read as a general rule i want people to read more but harry potter (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) the but you know mileage will vary with different books oh god what do I want every person to read? So let's let's um, let's narrow it down. Let not what everyone wants to read. What what should every person read in their lifetime and why? So you know, if if it's that big, then you know it's things like. Charles Dickens, you should probably acquaint yourself with Shakespeare. You should probably acquaint yourself with Beloved by um, By what's her name? You should read James Baldwin. You should read, you know, just so But, but that's too broad. That's too big. Yeah. Let's narrow it down. What do I want people to read right now in this in this moment? I want people to read 10 uh, arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now by Jaron Lanier. It is the most provocative one of the most provocative books that i've read in recent years you know there are very few books for which there's a before and after for me yeah where there's like this this pin in my life of when i read that book and the way it altered my life and it's it sounds weird that a book about social media would change my life this much but but the principles in that book apply so broadly to other areas of life, and Jaron Lanier is one of the most original and fascinating thinkers I've ever encountered. And if you haven't seen a picture of him, he's he's a really big guy. He he's so it, it, like he takes up so much space, and has is so elegant and such a presence. He has such a presence, and he has these long dreadlocks that like go down to the floor. And I mean, just and it, just a fascinating person and one of the architects of our modern world. He, yeah. he invented augmented reality. He invented virtual reality. He was one of the main architects of internet 2.0, which, which was the upgrading from the internet being just among colleges to the public internet that we have today. He's one of the people behind that. So he's, he's really one of the architects of our world. I want everyone to read 10 arguments for deleting your social media accounts right now. I want everyone to read deep work by Cal Newport. I was about to say your next book is going to to be deep work. Yeah, so I want everyone to read Deep Work by Cal Newport. And then I and then oh, Jesus, what else? Um so Deep Deep Work is an examination of the focused life, the deep life and how to attain it. How to attain it in work, how to attain mastery in life and it it has changed my life. It it has really It's affected me too. Yeah, it 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 is I am I am able to do the work that I do because of Deep Work. I'm able to live the life that I live now because of internalizing the principles from deep work. Uh, And then finally, this is a weird one and it comes with a lot of caveats, but it's a book that I just recently read and it is um, waking up by Sam Harris. I have a lot of disagreements with Sam Harris. I have a lot of, Massive. We don't have to get into that right now. But uh, his book, Waking Up, is on meditation and the importance of meditation. And um, I think everyone could benefit from some kind of mindfulness practice or some kind of meditative practice. So that's the third one I'd recommend. Uh, fourth one, for good measure, everyone needs to read Clive Barker. He is my favorite writer. Go go. go read Weave World, A Magica, Books of Blood, Hellbound Heart, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Heck yeah! I think that's it.
2: I think I think that about sums it up if I were to i i don't I don't think I have three books that everyone should read I'm not as well read as I used to be, but yeah those are good those are good books
1: good. Hooray! Okay. Hooray. Well, I think we have come to the end of this episode. If we didn't get to your question, I'm so sorry, but I'm hoping to do more of these and uh, also say hello to a new guest on Sacred Tension, Dante aka Llama Boy, and you'll be hearing from him again. Also, if you like how the episodes have been turning out, a lot of that is him. So he's really making my life possible <laughs> because I have so much work <laughs> right now. You're making me blush. And he, is, he <laughs> has been so helpful in keeping the show running so thank you so much it's been it's
2: been a pleasure i, I seriously enjoy it and i'm so honored to be a uh, a guest I, I hope to be soon again
1: yeah for sure you can definitely come on again all right well that is it for this show the music is by The Jelly Rocks and Eleventy7. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. The show is also sponsored by the TheSatanicTemple.tv. Go to TheSatanicTemple.tv and at checkout, use my promo code SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space, for one month free. The show is written, produced, and edited by me and Dante Salomoni, and is a production of Rock Candy Recordings. As always, Hail Satan!
0: Shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.